Is that seriously it? Like, that's... That's... <laughs> that's what defeats him? <laughs> so... And the thing is, like, watch it again. You just hear, like... <laughs> and it's the... F- like, it made me laugh out loud. And you're not supposed to be laughing out loud at that part, but, like... Annyang SAO! Welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists, and your K-Romance guides. So grab some deck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. So it's a little sad to see your faces today because you're not in human form. I know. I, know. I was thinking the same thing. I can't believe we were together last week. For so short, for so short a month. Was it only, it was a week ago. It feels like it was like a year ago now. (laughs) It was literally, yeah, it was a week ago. It was a whirlwind of a trip. Can I share how Megan and I met up at the airport? Yeah, okay. (laughs) And the struggle, the struggle that was meeting up with Megan at the airport. (laughs) It's always going to be a struggle meeting up with me. At least she didn't get on a ferry. She didn't. No No, ferry. She didn't call a cruise. So our flights, we're both like texting each other before we even take off because both of our flights are delayed. And Megan's also got a connecting flight. So there's, you know, lots of stuff in the air. But we were meeting at the airport and our plan was, because we're supposed to get in around the same time, and our plan was to ride the BART, which is the public train system in the San Francisco Bay Area, to Oakland. And so I... With all of our change flights, we ended up getting into getting into San Francisco, sorry, like within 20 minutes of each other. So it was perfect. So I got off my plane first and I texted her and I said, I, I looked at her flight information. I said, okay, I'm in terminal three. You're in terminal one. I'm going to take the airport air train to your terminal. Meet me there. Like meet me at the entrance to the air train at your terminal. She's like, okay. She's like, I don't know what that means because I'm stuck on the plane right now, but I'm sure I'll figure it out. So she finally gets off the plane and she's like, I don't know where to go. I don't see any signs for air for air train. I'm like, there, you ha- just follow the crowd. The signs for air train are everywhere. And I'm like, so I did. The- I followed. You did. I just, you I just want to say for the record, I followed the crowd. <laughs> but wait, but wait. Yeah. So I told her, I said, look, I said, I got off the air train and I'm in your terminal. I'm in terminal one in departures i said so just follow the crowd to like departures but don't follow them downstairs to baggage claim just stay on the floor with departures and there's one little escalator that goes up to the air train and i'm waiting at the top of it and so we're going back and forth and she's like i found an escalator wait no that's not it she's like oh i went down i went down to well first i found another escalator and that was i told you not to go down i told you i know (laughs) then i accidentally went down to baggage claim then i so then i did a little ue and i went back up and i was like it's fine i'll find you because that's when i saw the sign for airtran i was like oh i see the sign and i did feel like i was in a back hallway of the airport i was like where am i (laughs) i never felt that so i don't i don't know where you went so i'm waiting inside terminal one megan's terminal in like at the top of this small escalator where its only destination is the entrance to the air train. And finally she texts, she's like, okay, I'm here. I'm on the platform where it says red train. I'm like, oh, you're up there already? I'm like, I don't know how you got past me. I'm like, okay, stay there. Don't get on the train. I will meet you there. So I have to go like up this ramp. Then I have to go like down an escalator and then back up to the to the platform where the actual train is. And it was like a, it was like a scene out of a movie. I get off the escalator on top of the platform and there are zero people there. Like not <laughs> one, definitely not Megan. So I I text Megan and I say, "Okay, what terminal are you in?" I don't know. It just says I said, "What does it say on the red sign on the signs for like the red train?" I don't know. It just says international terminal or what it's, isn't that what it said? Like international, yeah. international terminal. Yeah. I said, okay. I said, you walked from terminal one to the international terminal. I said, because that's the next stop on my train. I did feel like I was walking really far. And that's why I saw a sign for like Hawaii air or something. It was fun. And she's texting me. She's like, I have leg cramps. I'm like, I know. Where I have have you been? I had a full-on cramp from walking. Megan's like, I'm getting on so like Korean air. I don't know what's yeah. happening. <laughs> it was. I. I don't. I'm mean, so I'm like, stay where you are. I'm like, I am getting on the next air train. It will come to your stop. I said, stay exactly where you are. Don't get on a train. And so as we pull into the international terminal, 
air train, I see her standing on the platform and I'm like waving at her. I'm like, get in here right now. <laughs> get your butt in here. And I was like, yay! <laughs> I was like celebrating on the air train. All these people are looking because, you know, no one is happy at an airport. And so everyone's like looking at me funny, but I'm just like, Amy! I'm so excited! And then, we, so yeah. strong, so. and then we began our adventure on the BART. Which, you know, zero out of ten stars. <laughs> Would not recommend. Sorry, anybody in the Bay Area who enjoys the BART. I don't know who you are, but yeah. No, yeah, sorry. And I, I, I like public transportation, but, but, the, but the BART's two thumbs down. I'm going to so, write a Yelp review. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we want to like thread the needle here, but I'd say something that feels tedious, zero out of ten stars and two thumbs down. Oh, no. <laughs> For you. And only I you. Will say, and only you. I will say on the BART, when we could talk, because most of the time we could not talk because the Bart sounds like a million screaming children. <laughs> That's so loud. It literally does. Like, it doesn't, it sounds like something humanly inhuman. Like, yeah. Yeah. So we couldn't really talk to each other. But when we could, we talked about Black Knight, which is what we are covering today. What did you even have to, s- okay. I mean, we're about to talk about it for an hour. So, <laughs> Leah, remember that there is. The sort of like forefront of our podcast is that we don't yuck other people's yums. <laughs> and you are like... wanting so bad to yuck our yums here. <laughs> oh, she is so excited. <laughs> she is basically the Mr. Yuck sticker right now. <laughs> I am like, if, yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to, okay, let's just start. Okay. I'll just say I was in charge of the script for this one and I had a lot of fun writing the script. So I hope you all... Even if you like absolutely loved Black Knight, which Amy and I enjoyed it for what it was, and Leah did not. Um, but I just hope you'll find humor in some of this. Anyway. Yeah, laugh through the pain. Right. So Black Knight is a six-episode Netflix drama based on a webcomic, Take Begisa, by Lee Yeon Kyun. Black Knight takes place in 2071 after a comet has decimated the world population and toxic air pollution forces all survivors to wear gas masks. South Korea has been segregated into strict social classes with drastically different living conditions. Citizens rely on a delivery service for supplies like oxygen tanks, and the delivery drivers, known as knights, are highly skilled as they need to protect the parcels from thieves. The most legendary, famous knight is 5'8" played by Kim Ubin. He's a former refugee, which is the lowest social class. He works for Chongyang Group, the company who supplies oxygen to the nation, but is secretly plotting with other knights to take down the conglomerate because of their human rights abuses. His plan is complicated when he meets a young refugee who dreams of being a knight, Sawol, played by Kong Yusuk. Kim Woo-bin recently returned to acting after a six-year hiatus as he battled nasopharyngeal cancer. The role requires him to be a smoker, so in an effort not to compromise his health, all the smoking scenes were created using CGI. The director Cho Ui-suk also suggested using stunt doubles for his action scenes, but R. Woo-bini insisted on doing the action scenes himself. All three of us can agree on one thing about this drama— Kim Ubin and his hair looked amazing in all of his action scenes. Right? Are you Concur. okay there, Leah? Okay. Concur. Concur. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his hair looked. So fantastic. did his eyebrows. I mean, nobody has brows. They're eyebrows, the best like, eyebrows. They're the yeah, best. Best in the biz. Mm-hmm. I will best say in the world. Yeah. Uh, my husband's hair. He has a similar haircut to Kim Ubin. He does. We saw him. In, yeah. We FaceTimed him. After just, I had a lot of margaritas. Yeah, just a slight aside. Same. When we were all together, we tailgated it before the concert, uh, the sugar concert, and uh, we all had had a lot of margaritas. We were all in great moods. I mean, I'm telling you right now, we were we were happy. Like we were happy, I, happy. We yes, were happy, so. happy, happy. And so, and so, and it was Leah's anniversary. So happy yep. anniversary. And so she called Nick, and then. You guys made me call Neil. It was not my idea. And it was like 930. Never, <laughs> yeah, because we've never talked to Neil. Yeah, so we called him and I just showed everyone his hair. But anyway, so yes. Can I think in. I just screamed that he had great hair over and over annoyingly. <laughs> you did, but it was fine. He didn't. He didn't. I was kind of impressed because it was 930 at night and I knew I could call him and his hair would still look good. Like, because <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you know, Neil has Neil. Kim, Kim Ubin. Yeah, he's Neil. Anyway. 
back to the drama. So um, we're not really going to have a large non-spoiler section for this podcast. First of all, Black Knight is only six episodes, okay? And they're less than an hour long each. And and second, like, there's really not much to spoil. Like, I got to be honest, if we told you the whole plot right now, you'd be like, okay. And it wouldn't really change a whole lot. Like, you would still either enjoy or not enjoy the drama, regardless of spoilers, in my opinion. Okay. But still, that said, let's get a few big picture questions out of the way. The first one, <laughs> let's, just, let's just put it out get there. This. Let's put it out there. Did you enjoy the drama? I did. I thought it was tons of fun to watch on the plane to and from Oakland for our sugar fest. And I 100% got what I expected, which was lots of external conflict and action. Like there was... Nothing from the trailer that made me think, especially in six episodes, that made me expect this was going to get like deeply emotional or, or anything like that. So yeah, I thought it was fun. Do I think all of it makes sense? Absolutely not. But I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I would say I also got what I wanted out of it. I knew going in it was six episodes. And I also knew it was going to be like action heavy. So I didn't necessarily expect tons of emotional attachment. However, was I still hoping like for more? Like, was I still hoping for, like, a geniusly <laughs> plotted and, like, em- like emotionally taxing kind of, like, drama in six episodes? Yeah, like, I did want it, but I'm okay with what we got. I was, I would say, like, I was highly entertained, but then I do have, like, a hamster brain that can watch, like, Fast and the Furious and be, and be entertained. So did I enjoy the drama? She was, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, waiting to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, she was like, stop talking so I can talk. <laughs> Not at all. And I'm going to save my crit mostly for the spoiler section for whatever that's going to be. But look, for me, part of the appeal with stories like this is the idea. Look, I love prepping shit. Like, put me in a prepper situation and I am my hamster brains engaged. When we had to wait for floor seats for night two of the Sugar concert after, you know, the group like we parted ways and i took to the streets of oakland to spend most of the night <laughs> took to the i was street. directly involved in the planning of what became known as the beauty bucket which was trying to figure out a plan for if any of us were going to have to like pee on the streets because they weren't resourcing it with like porta potties and having to logistic out how to like retain dignity in like an undignified <laughs> situation it's like my happy place So I'm saying all this to say that, like, I want to watch stories like this with the idea of, like, what would I do? How would I endure? And the fact that we get very little backstories and the heroes are kind of the larger than life, just amazing. It kind of pops that narrative question for me. And it leaves me where being like, okay, the hero's just a badass. And all he does is win, win, win. And, like, that's a thrill, I guess. But for me, it's boring. I do get that. 100%. Like, yeah. yeah. Totally fair. I'm not gonna, this isn't like, um, I don't know. I'm not gonna like fight to the death for Black Knight. No. Is is basically what I'm I'm gonna say. And Um, I'm not going to say that you're dumb if you like it. Yeah. So I did, and I did. Are you gonna think it though? No, I'm not. I'm not. I did say, um, to me, to me, Black Knight was like cotton candy. So it was like very easily consumable and it was kind of like gone fast. And I also burned through the calories in like an hour. And I wanted something more savory and filling. Mm-hmm. I wanted like a full steak dinner and I didn't get it. Was cotton, is cotton candy great? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, yeah. So, okay. So like all stories, this one definitely took inspiration from others. So what were you reminded of while watching Black Knight? And also like any comps for Black Knight? Yeah, I mean, I'm laughing, Megan, because you and I were talking about this in Oakland. Like, pick something, anything, and I bet it's a comp for Black Knight. Yeah. Like, Hunger Games? Yeah. The Lorax? Yeah. Like, it runs the gamut of, like, things that fit in because it was trying to be everything in six episodes. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously Mad Max. And it was kind of, like, billed a little bit as, like... Mm -hmm being like a Mad Max type society and like like sure especially if you've seen the latest Mad Max um Fury Road I also got like Peter Pan vibes because I felt like they were like lost boys like there was like a lost Mm. boys situation with like Sawal and his like friends like right none of them had parents no parents and by the way their their names were useless dum-dum and dummy his friends (laughs) which is just like 
what? Anyway, sure. like, and no reason. Like, we were no. never given no. a reason they had these names. No, but, anyway. like, Dum Dum and Dummy had, like, the same, like, kid and play haircuts. Like, mm-hmm. right. They were, it right. was hilarious. They were, I think they were twins. I Actually, think they were. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I also said it felt a little bit like Robin Hood because 5'8 was a little bit like mm-hmm. giving yes. to the poor. And yeah, Hunger Games, obviously, the districts, which we never got great explanation for. And then the Lorax. It was so funny, too, because I was watching it with Neil. And it like when the kind of like, we'll explain a little bit more later. But, um, you know, there's they're giving they need to there's a company that provides oxygen. And obviously, they want to stay in business. So like their business is to keep the air quality poor so they can provide oxygen. And I was like, oh, my God, that's like, that's like, oh, my God, like the one on the ship with all the like blobby people. And <laughs> oh, my God, <laughs> I couldn't. No, you thought it was the... Wally? Wally? No, the. Oh, that's wait, Wally. Yeah, people's that's Wally. People. That's Wally, oh not the Lorax. You're right. I got him confused. <laughs> Wally's about garbage. Oh, my God, you're right. I did get confused. Well, I meant the Lorax. And then, of course, Neil was like, the Lorax. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I was thinking of Wally. What is wrong with me? <laughs> it's not like Wally. Well, it's not at all I like Wally. I mean, well, no, it kind of is. It's like Earth's fucked. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I'm not like too far off. But yeah, I was thinking of the blobby people. <laughs> That's I, Wally. I don't know what. On the ship. Like, you thought there were blobby in their people chairs? on a ship in the Lorax? <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, I was like, where am I thinking No, that? Lorax was was the was the short little dude with like the yeah. bowl cut hair who Mr. O'Hare who didn't yeah. want any didn't want anybody to plant trees because that would make oxygen. Where am I well, I meant the Lorax. In my head I confused the two. But anyway, okay, so the, the that's the thing. It took it definitely took inspiration from a lot of other things, which was actually kind of fun because I was like watching it. And I would, like, shout out things that it reminded me of. Like, yeah, like Hunger Games, Robin Hood, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of like the Lorax, except who speaks for the trees. 5'8"? Sure. <laughs> I mean, sure. 5'8 oh, speaks like, Gramp- for the refugees. <laughs> you had, like, you had like the Gramps, who was, like... Yeah. Okay, he was, yeah, like, Gramps. growing... He was pretty Lorax-y. Yeah, he was planting all yeah, the stuff it, underground. If Lorax hadn't, like, fucked everything and then been, like, oops... My bad. Like, let's do it a different way. Um, I mean, I don't know. What's another comp? Uh, the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. <laughs> Please expand. <laughs> what? Just an over-the-top, bloated, unsatisfying hero fest. <laughs> <laughs> My God, I don't even know if I've ever. Which I used to watch every year because I would play it on on like network television on Easter. Every, I would watch it every year. I know. I I can speak large sections oh memory. like the parting of the red sea <laughs> like i can i can picture it all like i watched and this when, movie yearly as a kid which I is don't so think I've weird ever, i don't think i've ever seen it oh my god what's that and from it, like what year oh here the ten oh, commandments like 19 it's old maybe? yeah i have watched ben-hur repeatedly does that count no, no. Kind of moses, the same. so at one point moses is like you know because he's like well i guess it's not technically incest if you were found in a basket his adopted sister does want to fuck him, can't, so ends up having to brother fuck. What? <laughs> These are the things that she remembers from the Ten Commandments. Where did we <laughs> I was like, are you explaining the Ten Commandments? I did not right internalize now? that part when I was young. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm so sorry. I mean, like, like, there is zero, there is zero (laughs) incest that we know of in Black Knight. Just so you all know, correct, correct, correct. I mean, he might have had some unexamined feelings for his found sister too, but his adopted sister. He didn't get a chance to explore those. No. So yeah, Mad Max visually. Yeah, for sure. I mean, who do I? Here's here is a stumper question: Who is hotter? Tom Hardy or Kim Ubin? Mm, don't do that to me. That's not nice. I won't. Yeah, I won't. Mad Max, won't. Tom Hardy or 5'8", Kim Ubin? That's like I to figure out how many licks it takes to get to the center of the Tootsie My Rock. My Instagram bio cur- currently says 
in an unrequited love affair with Tom Hardy. That's literally what my Instagram bio said. No, I know. I'm asking you this because you and I, where we diverge is often, and then we unite in very odd particular things like both Tom Hardy wanting to fuck Bane from Batman. Yeah, I love Bane. I I well, love just, Tom, I love everything I've seen Tom, Tom Hardy in. Yeah, Tom yeah. Hardy in every iteration, everything. even Tom R. Hardy with like grayscale in in a uh, Peaky Blinders. Peaky when his Blinders face is rotting off. He could get I don't it. care. Yeah, I'll mm-hmm. take it. Just give me mm-hmm. give me the rot. Do you know what yeah, I want to bet? I, will... I bet neither of you have seen Venom. No. I've seen a lot of clips. And... <laughs> nope. I know. I really Even like, Tom Hardy I really couldn't like get me to watch Venom. He's really okay. funny. I'll, it's a... I, lo- I mean, I, I, I probably would still choose Tom Hardy just because it's Tom. Like, I, it's, I, I've had, I have loyalty to Tom. I've known Tom longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have to sit with it i mean like look he's yeah he's just such a weirdo that you know that pulls me in but kimu bin's eyebrows i feel like it's like a jungle in there and i could just oh. get lost i just i love i love the eyebrows I, and i mentioned it later too in the script but i'll say it now like i love the fact that even when he's like full masked up you know that that is kimu bin and he looks good <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to ponder that. I just entertained myself with that question. I'll be thinking that over. And if anyone has a vote on that one, let us know. We'll do a poll. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get into the spoiler filled section, (laughs) it's time for our favorite part of every episode. And that is the K-pop wreck of the week. And I'm excited about this choice, Megan. I'm very excited. So G Idol um, is one of my favorite K-pop groups. And I didn't necessarily love their last comeback. But this comeback, I love it. So the song is Queen Card by G Idol. And it is so much fun. So basically, they're saying like, no matter who you are, what you look like, what you do, like you're a queen card, meaning, and that kind of means like, you're the main character. You're just you're the main character. And like, I love main character energy. Like, yeah, I am the main character of my life, of my story. And so I just adore it. Like, the styling is really fun. They're clearly having a lot of fun this comeback. The girls are. They're, like, all over social media doing their TikToks. And I just, I love it. They feel like main characters. And I'm just cheering them on from the sidelines of their lives, but from the main character of my life. (laughs) (laughs) The main character in me calls out to the main character in you. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, I love it. I ordered the, I pre-ordered the albums and they should be coming soon. I'm very eager because there's a cat version. You know how like K-pop albums always have different versions, right? There's like a queen card version. There's a butterfly version and there's a cat version. It's just a black cat. And I am stoked. Even though my cat sliced open my toe yesterday. That's it. It's queen card by G idol. Check it out. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoon Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, Blow up your skin with K Merch Rex. Find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. So, what kinds of things do you both like to do when you drive? Pay attention to the road? Is this a trick question? All right, how about when you fold laundry? Why am I folding laundry in this scenario? Read, friends. I was trying to get you to say read. You could just ask us if we like to read when we drive or... Wait, how are you reading when you're driving? 
with Audible. You know, our sponsor, who is the leading creator and provider of premium audio storytelling, enriching the lives of millions of listeners every day. I listen to audiobooks on my commute to work in the car. Oh, yeah, I totally do that. I love my Audible subscription. Then why'd you leave me hanging with the whole driving thing? Forget it. It's not important. What is important is that now our listeners can get a 30-day free trial of Audible Premium Plus from Afternoon of Delight. Do you know what they get with that free trial? Actually, I do. They get one audiobook credit, two if they are Prime members, which is good for any premium selection, and they get to keep that audiobook. They also get the whole Audible Plus catalog of podcasts, like Afternoon of Delight, audiobooks, guided wellness, and Audible originals. And with the Plus catalog, you can listen all you want, no credits needed. And Audible sends you a reminder email before your trial ends. Sounds like a great way to spend 30 days to me, especially if you're heading outside for a walk, have a long commute to work, or just want to hear one of many talented narrators really bring your book to life. All you have to do is go to www.audibletrial.com slash afternoona to sign up and you're ready to download your first listen. Enjoy! So, this drama packed a lot into six episodes and we all felt like there was a lot of potential if the story had more time to develop. There were designated districts, a group of robot-like terrorists with implants, mutants, human experiments, basically like what did you think was rushed and what did you want to understand better? I mean, truly all of it was rushed. No one had a complete backstory, yet I liked the characters enough to want to know what their stories were. Like, we joked that we were just praying that this wasn't going to be the silent sea, but look, I can get behind a ridiculous far-fetched story if I care about the characters, and the silent sea... Oh, the Yeah, for sure, 100%. Right. And the silent sea, like, to its detriment, does a good job of keeping its audience at a distance. Like, that was one thing that I was thinking about while... You know, I was working on the script last night. I was like, you know what? I think that's one of the biggest things about the Silent Sea. Like, we know nothing about anyone. Like, why the neck tattoo, Gong Yu? Why? But nobody ever told us. Anyway, Mm -hmm. I digress. But I did get to bring Gong Yu into this episode. (laughs) The one thing I'll say for Black Knight is that the characters had personality. Like, 5'8 had his model swagger, but was also, like, very cheeky and funny at times. Saul was earnest and loyal. He wore his heart on his sleeve and his mullet like a post-apocalyptic champ. And Isam as Jung Sola was a total badass. I cared about the characters, and I wanted to know more. But because I connected with them, they were still a joy to watch, even though all I got was what was on the surface. But, like, what the fuck? Sawol has metal for bones, and we never get anything with that. So, yeah, I think the whole entire thing was rushed. But I think we had likable characters, and that's what carried it. Yeah, I do want to say, you mentioned, this just made me think of this, when you mentioned how Silent Sea kept us at a distance. I will say also the way um, Black Knight was shot, I think, was meant to immerse us in it. To me, it worked. Like, I remember when Solwall first got in his delivery truck as a knight, and the camera, it was almost like a video game. The camera panned around as if we, we were looking at the truck from his eyes. And I remember thinking, oh, it feel, like I feel like I'm in a video game, because they were like, this is this is... So well, it was his view and you're yeah. getting it. It was his view. And um, I li- I mean, I, I'm always going to like that. I don't mind like a video game view if it's not overdone. And it wasn't in this. I thought that was like an interesting choice to like be sparing. So I'll say the info dump at the beginning to explain the comet and the districts was like a red flag for me from jump i disliked them throwing a lot of like kind of rather complicated exposition at us with quick illustrations um i never liked that in books i don't i mean it's okay to kind of be like oh a comet caused air pollution okay but then it also went into like the explanation of the districts and it came so fast i even rewound it and i still wasn't sure i like understood because it it was just a lot at one time without understanding the rest of the world building And I feel like all of that could have been explained better. Like, I wish they showed, like, the beginning opened up with 5-8 doing his deliveries kind of in each district. Like, show us on his deliveries as he goes to each district so we understand, like, the differences. Show, don't tell. Because obviously, exactly. Like, (laughs) we got a lot of telling right Mm -hmm. up front. And I was like, ooh, I don't don't know what's going on. Because even, like, I was watching with Neil and he was like, what? 
Like, what? And I was like, I know, I know. That was, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So I think most of all, I love the world building in post-apocalyptic. Like, that's what's mm-hmm. fascinating to me. And so the fact that, like, the world building wasn't fully explained was, like, a disappointment to me. Um, I wanted to know the differences between the districts and, like, how they were originally divided. Like, how did they decide what people went into what? Like, was it just wealth? That's fine. But, like, explain that to us. And, like, I never understood, like, who were the refugees and, like, what made them refugees? Right. That was never explained. Like, who are these people? Are they just, like, the poor people of society? But that seems, like, a little crazy to me. I don't know. I just needed, like, I needed more. And I just think we needed world building set up in a way that was more digestible and memorable. And probably the worst offender was, like, the last episode. <laughs> yeah. I had, oh, yeah. I had, I had no idea what was going on, but it was so much fun watching 5-8, like, fuck up Chianmyong and, like, repel from that, like, fake sky ceiling. I was just like, why is he dropping? Why are they so dramatic? Why are they dropping from a ceiling and having, like, an all-out firefight on, like, the steps of this building? It felt like uh, Money Heist. But I was just like, what is happening? And I I also didn't care because I was super entertained by that last episode. I was just like, I'm going with it at this point. I'm just going with it. You know, I would say I did care about the characters and I absolutely wanted to see the villain fall. Like I really disliked uh, the villain. So uh, and the action scenes were enough to keep me going, keep my hamster brain engaged. Okay, so look, I mean, I'm just a hater. I can't help it. It's okay, And I don't know. And I mean, it's not the show. It's definitely not Kim Ubin's fault. Let me just be clear. Kim Ubin. Of course, it's never Kim Ubin's fault. Nothing is. No. Nothing is your fault. You're a perfect baby angel. You were great. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole cast was good. And so, I mean, like, is my quibble with, like, the web, like, the comic itself, the show? Like, you know, so I can say, look, I had an idea of what it was going to be going into it, but I really got nothing of what I wanted. And I'm not being a hater to hate because I do really like dystopian stories. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about just like, you know, rather than me just like complaining, like kind of just like framing. Cause I mean, like people know dystopian, like, you know, but like to like just kind of like really be like, let's be clear what we're talking about. A dystopian story generally is pretty much any paradigm where things are just pretty fucking dire, like real bad for the average Joe. Mm-hmm. Which is why I like it because it puts me into like my like activated prepper state of like, oh my God, what would I do? And this is why I've started to embrace the zombie genre as well. Because that like dystopian crossover into like a zombie hellscape, you know, I, not every zombie show works for me, but like I I much more appreciate like zombie detective. the zombie. Yeah, <laughs> zombie detective is a no for me. I still need to get through The Last of Us. But like, like The Last of Us... A hundred percent would I rather watch than the Black Knight because I feel like, again, it's like regular people. Some of them are extraordinary, but like having to figure out like a pretty freaking shitty situation. So it's engaging to me. And so, you know, what kind of badness is usually happening? It could be like there's usually like lots of poverty. There's government or corporate oppression. There's public surveillance, you know, heavy military state, lots of conspiracies. And some of my most favorite books are from this genre so like orwell's 1984 huxley's brave new world burgess's clockwork orange atwood's headsmaid's tale collins hunger game series like i love all of those so first of all for me here's where it's a miss and this is just me just being a bitch is comet schmomet (laughs) because look what i want this to be is like a climate change cautionary tale yeah so i am being a spoiled brat but the fact that like humanity is taken out of the responsibility for their current situation and just made to endure i was immediately less interested because i actually expected it to be a post-apocalyptic climate change i don't know why but that was just okay. like not knowing anything going into it i'm like oh cool and then i was like oh it's a comet like okay yeah that's fair. um and so it felt lazier and then you know we have the secret wealthy villain kind of controlling the long game and i think it would have just been much more interesting if like the haves had like fucked it all up and we're still fucking it up. And given like the evolving nature of our climate crisis, it makes it feel like to me, the story would have had like immediacy and relevance. And Mm -hmm. that is like what I want in dystopian. I want it to be allegorical. Mm -hmm. And to me, this just kind of felt like generic. And so was it nice to look at? Yes. And so was the silent sea. 
first of all, you're giving a very smart view of this drama, which wasn't a smart drama. Um, and I agree with you there. And like, that is the nature of the dystopian setup. It's, it's supposed to be like man fucked up. And now look at, you know, the way that they're living kind of thing. And yeah, and that was like, when, when we compare it to the Lorax, the Lorax does give people the responsibility for the destruction yeah. of the environment. So does Wally. <laughs> so does. does Wally, even though this is not about Wally. Although in the show notes, I'm going to have to put a link to Wally so you can see the blobby people on the ship. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, that's a really smart view of it, which Megan and I did not take. <laughs> and, and I also think that's okay, too, is that I, I enjoyed the action and I enjoyed the the surface of it. But I 100% agree with you, Leah, that it was lazy storytelling. Uh, you know, I actually forgot to mention this in the script. Should we, I mean, should we talk about the vaccines? So I, <laughs> I'm still like kind of confused by the vaccine. So perfectly honest. the, uh, the, va- I mean, like, what- I don't know if there is an anti, I'm curious if there was any sort of like anti-vaccine movement in South Korea. I'm thinking like, no, not to the degree there was in America. So I admit I was like a little triggered yeah. by the fact that these vaccine, like these, like we're in America right now trying to convince people to, to, to vaccinate. And this drama is just like, oh no, the vaccine's killing you. <laughs> But it wasn't. It, but it wasn't the vaccines killing you because the vaccine is dangerous. It's the vaccine wasn't a vaccine. Oh. It wasn't well, a vaccine. vaccine. Wasn't a vaccine. Well, I that's know the that conspiracy that we but got that is, here was that. Well, that's like, true. That's a conspiracy, right? A delayed. I mean, like let's let's go to your brother. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you know, we have like the the idea that like you're going to get injected with something and it's either going to like dysregulate your ability to reproduce or like it's a time bomb and in five years we're all just going to be falling over dead and then what the unvaccinated inherit their earth which is going to be a bummer for them when we're all still here right yeah and so i i was kind of like oh god yes but i feel like that is looking at it from, from a western an, view i i think more specifically even like an american like yes the united states of america point of view <laughs> so i i respect that mm-hmm. it was only me watching i was like oh cringe right to vilify I the vaccines to vilify the vaccines but i i don't like i get they're allowed to like tell the story they want to tell mm-hmm. in a different country it's fine i'm just saying from my point of view yeah i was like oh crap <laughs> you know yeah. i mean it was a good plot point like i was like oh that's kind of an interesting plot point although I was kind of like, buddy, you're doing all these like sneaky ways of killing refugees, and uh, yeah, I mean, does it matter anymore? Like, we I all still know don't you're... understand why. I still don't. I'm like, why do you have this hate? Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to the villain. Yeah, I don't understand the why. That's that's really the thing for me because yeah. it, it seemed to be like, well, we can't we can't save everybody, so let's get rid of you know this handful. Right. Right. I don't know. Okay, but. Let's talk about our precious boy, Solwal. So he's a refugee who was rescued by a high-level military leader and adopted into her home because this is a K-drama, and that's what we do. He also is, drumroll, a mutant with metal bones and amazing (laughs) healing powers. How old was he supposed to be in this drama? Like, was he supposed to be 14 or 30? Who knows? (laughs) But Kong Yoo-suk is almost 30 in real life, so that's a win for us after Nuna's. Also, shout out to his friends, Useless, Dum Dum, and Dummy. So basically, did you like Solwall's storyline, and what scene of his did you like the most? I love the names, useless, like we already talked about. I love the names, useless, yeah. dumb, dumb. I mean, I love the characters too. Like they were a wonderful little like found family, and I did like yeah. Sawol's storyline. But I definitely needed to know more about him. Like, was he born a mutant? Was he experimented on like Wolverine? Is he a robot in a skin suit? Like, I'm asking the hard hitting <laughs> questions that the drama doesn't answer. But still, he was charming. He was hot. I can say that, right? We said almost yeah. thirty. And he was an earnest little goober, too. You know, like, I loved every time he was on screen. But I think one of my favorites is when he and his friends um, are able to hop onto 5-8's truck. This is before he's training to be, like, a delivery man. They're able to hop on a 5-8's truck, the legendary 5-8, while it's moving. And 5-8 mm-hmm. swerves, like, all over the place because there's no roads. It's just a big mm-hmm. sand wasteland. I don't understand how they know where they're going, but it's a big sandy wasteland. And he swerves all over the place to knock them off. And everybody falls off except Sawol. And Sawol's well, like... Well, he but- electrocutes them. He does do that, oh, yeah, too. Electric- yes. He does electrocute them as well. Yes, I forgot about his that car, part. His car is like... It's like it's a, a taser. Bond car. It's a taser. Yeah. But Sawol 
hangs on and he actually maneuvers his way into the passenger seat and he challenges the legendary 5-8 to a fight because that's what Saul does. He just fights people. I don't really understand Mm -hmm. why because he doesn't know he's a mutant but he does know that for whatever reason he wins all the fights. And the fighting was I mean. (laughs) He gets hit in the head with a bat like yeah I don't know. He he got shot in the head. head. He gets hit in the head with a bat. Yes because he has a metal metal skull. skull. Yeah. Oh my but god! Like, okay, I was shot in the head. Now I'm hitting the head. Yeah. Mm, so uh-huh. I know. Like it's it's all it's ridiculous. It is. But like back to the truck for a second. Like the camera cuts to a Big shot of the truck from behind, and a door opening, and Five Eight basically just pushes him out and drives away. And I just I liked the setting up of their like little like mentor mentee sort of situation there. It was cute. But yeah, the fighting made no sense. Why does he want to fight 5-8? What does that prove if he fights 5-8? And we see later when he like starts to train and his first time in the ring, first of all, wearing like all his rags, like all the layers. Take off your one of your three jackets, please. <laughs> yes. And he's like, no match for 5-8. So, oh, I know. Yeah. Um, I mean, who can be a match for 5-8? No one. That's the whole point. Nothing is a match right. for 5-8. I know. He just, and he just is. Right. So Amy, this is one of the things we talked about in between the screaming children on the BART, <laughs> is Amy was like, well, maybe 5-8's a mutant. And I'm like, that would be a really cool twist. Did that twist ever no. come? No. no. <laughs> yeah. And also, I just want to say he has a metal skull, but he doesn't have a metal brain. Like, how, his brain is like getting rattled around. In I don't his metal understand. Skull. I don't understand how don't he's understand. made of metal on the inside. Like, I don't. I the whole mutant thing is never they just they were minors children that's the only explanation is that they were minors children yeah and neil had like so many questions and i was like can you just not ask questions right now <laughs> can you just go with it please so yeah look i i love soul i i really did enjoy him did i want more for his character absolutely like he had limitless potential and like in six episodes i already cared for him so like, I'm sure in 12 episodes, I would have loved him more. I definitely, like, that's the thing. I wish we would have seen him more in his status quo longer before, like, his entire world was blown up. You know, like, when, you know, his, his like, sister sort of was shot. Like, I wanted to see a little bit more development of her other than she exists to get shot. You know, like, I, you know, right. the whole thing was just uh, too quick. But I'm always down for, like, a scrappy underdog trying to better his life and, like, the lives of those he cares about. And that was Sawal. And, you know, they even gave him a save the cat moment. So Sawal is participating in a contest to be a delivery driver, like 5-8. One aspect of the contest is basically this, like, death race, as we'll talk about a little bit more later. They're given cars and they must make a delivery. They must deliver a package through, like, this, the maze of this, like, destroyed city while being hunted by convicted thieves. And look, like people died. This wasn't like a fun race with toy guns. Like convicted thieves deal. who get let out of prison for this yeah. game. <laughs> and who are actually trying to kill the like contest participants. And they're allowed to kill crazy. them instead. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a moment where Solwa risks his life to go and save another delivery driver, therefore like compromising his chance to win. So I was like, the, the drama was like trying. Like I was like, I appreciate. But like we all knew he was going to go back. I feel like that almost wasn't necessarily necessary because we knew he was that kind of person. Like, they already established that. Does that make sense? I get it. Usually a save the cat moment that we've, we've talked about before is, like, really early on. I was going to say, it's because you know? it happened so late. Like, I really like that scene, and I even think I talk about it later in the script. Like, I like that scene a lot, but you're right. Like, where it happens, there was no doubt. Like, everybody who's, like, you know, when 5-8's, like, watching him, he's like, don't go back, don't go back. And we're like, of course. like yeah, Of course he's going to go back. Gonna go and back. I... Yeah, like, usually a save the cat moment is, like, early on to establish character, not when you already know what he's going to do. So, but, I mean, I mean, I'll talk more. I, I mean, I will say, like, his acting, I love, like, I cannot wait to see him in more. Um, I now heard that he was in, before this, he was in the BL Light on Me, which our Patreons have said is great. So I will now go back and watch it. I didn't realize that. And so, yeah, I'm like, I'm stoked for him because now he's kind of in with Netflix. So like, go boy. Like, I can't wait to see what else you do. And I forgot to mention really quick that my character comp for him, like I told Megan, I'm like, he, I feel about him almost like I feel about Chung-san from All of Us Are Dead. Like, it's a similar type of personality, a similar type of just like, Mm -hmm. sort of like magnetism that you just like him immediately. Yeah. All of Us Are Dead was a better drama, but a hundred percent a better (laughs) drama. Yes. And was allegorical and wonderful. I mean, like, oh, I mean, so actually, there is a great comp. If you want to see 
A short like, drama. It's, I mean, like, it's, Do it right. it's a zombie, but it's dystopian. I mean, dystopian zombie, like, there's a lot of crossover between those two. <laughs> but yeah, do they get it right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have a lot to add. I'm not going to come for him. I liked him. So basically what I'm going to say is I felt like he was the main character for me. And I wish the movie was just built around him more. Yeah. And I wanted like more internal growth, more backstory. I mean, I could have lived even with like five, eight being just like hot and one note and awesome. If like we had a lot more layered development into Sawul's character. Totally. Yeah. Okay, so 5'8 always has great hair, doesn't look at explosions, and never runs. I swear to God, I think he only ran once or twice. 5'8 is on 5'8 time. So what did you like most about Kimu Bin's performance? Obviously, like, we, well, we talked about this a little bit, but did you want more of a backstory for him? And did you have a favorite scene of his? Yeah, I mean, I came to this drama to see my Choi Young-do from Ayers get to be the hero he was born to be. And, and that's what I got. Like, yeah, nothing ever went, I mean... Everything goes wrong for him in the other dramas that I've seen him in. I know I still need to watch our blues, Leah, so, so help me. Mm, don't say it. Okay. But I mean, like, uncontrollably fond in airs, like, things do not end up well for him. And I'm glad that they did here. So maybe that's what made it, you know, more okay with me that, like, nothing bad ever happens to 5'8". But yes, so Kim Woo-bin and his beautiful eyebrows were perfect as 5'8". I want a whole 5'8 backstory drama, though. Like, 16 episodes, so we get to see how he went from long-haired rebel refugee to the legendary delivery man that he is today. As for my favorite scene, I'm gonna be a little bit basic here, and I kind of have already mentioned it. Just any time he's in full delivery man uniform. Mm-hmm. And not that I want to cover that beautiful face, but I love that when he is in his mask and has his baseball hat on, he is still unmistakably Kim Woo-bin because of those yeah. eyebrows. <laughs> I mean, I have to agree. I love when he was just, like, striding around in his, like, trench coat type thing. He also looked really good when he was, like, fighting Saul Wall. And he had that, like, like a Henley hat on. He was wearing, his, like, a Henley. Henley. <laughs> I was like, okay. I know. I loved him. I And I will agree. Look, they gave us a backstory. But I felt like I was being mm-hmm. told his backstory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were like, okay, we need to give him some motivation. Let's throw this in it's right like here. It's like a couple of flashbacks. It's like a couple flashbacks. And it just wasn't, like... Yeah, it just wasn't enough. Mm-mm. Like, it wasn't enough. I felt like I was being told rather than shown, and that's always going to be. But, I, I mean, that that's, like, what the drama did. That just told us a lot of stuff. And then showed us explosions. Yeah, I mean, like, is he hot? I think we've established, yes. Can he smolder? Also, yes. But the thing is, is that, like, Kim Bin is an amazing actor. Yeah, he was wasted here. Wasted. And so... You know, I've been mean about errors in the past. I don't dislike errors. I did say I hated it once when I was being mean. I don't hate it. <laughs> you said you hated errors once? Yeah, I said it to Becky when she was here. Oh, that's right. You told me about that. But I was being facetious. <laughs> I said it was bad. I said it was bad. And right. here's, and I, I mean, I get mad about errors, but for different reasons. But here's what wasn't bad in errors was Kim Ubin. <laughs> That's he the reason I loved Eris, was him. A 10 out of 10. I mean, a 20 out of 10. Yes. 30, 40, 100 out of 10. Best, one of the best characters in K-drama history, I will say. Yeah. And I, you know, I have not watched Uncontrollably Fond, nor will I. And I thought he was, his character was like less rich in our blues, but he did a great job playing it. And he does a good job playing this too. It's just that, like, he would do a good job if they'd been like, and we really want to have this be, like, a very, like, more layered, interesting performance. Like, he would have delivered. Yeah. He just, he did the job he was meant to do, though, which is don't look at explosions and, (laughs) like, you know, drive your car real fast. Mm -hmm. And he does. And I don't love cars getting driven real fast, but he looks really fucking good doing it. He did. Okay, so as we said, this drama was a lot of action all the time. So much punching. We got a car death race. We got a room, a full room fist fight, which was madness. Lots of gunfire. So yeah, what was your favorite action scene? So you already mentioned like the save the cat moment that Sawal has in the death race, but I'll say like as far as favorite action scenes, like the death race was my favorite action scene. Like there was zero reason for it. <laughs> I mean, the whole point is for, like, the – because to be a delivery man, it's a contest. And the whole point Mm -hmm. of it – I mean, there is a reason. The whole point is to prove that you can get the package to where it needs to be. But, like, normally, they're not going to unleash, like, current convicts on you while you're doing it. Like (laughs) And supply. 
supply them and supply yeah, them with like, supply them. questions to like who who like is like okay it's time to like set up the scenario <laughs> yeah yeah it was Let's ridiculous, but it was super yeah. fun to watch, and I just I yeah. enjoyed watching oh. it. And yeah, Saul got to have his little hero moment, but again, like Megan said, like we knew that he was going to go back for her anyway. But I just enjoyed that whole scene. Zero reason for it. Enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> and maybe that's yeah. I mean, maybe that's that's the sort of Michael Bayness of it, right? Is it like didn't have to happen, but it did happen, and I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> yeah, it was like that very typical like. Of course, our main character is avoiding obstacles, but, like, other cars are, like, flipping over behind him. There's, like, fire. Again, (laughs) I mentioned, you know, in a land where, like, oxygen is depleted, fire is just running. I mean, fires are doing great. So they're just sucking up all the oxygen, apparently. So, okay, I will say the end of episode four is where I started to go, okay, like, I think it was the end of episode four. It was either four or five, but where I, where I was like, oh, maybe this drama, because I was still enjoying it, but I was like wanting more. And I was like, so as part of the contest, Solwall, ha- like he's in the finals with one other guy and he's got to fight, the- which another thing too, I was like, he already fought a room full of people. And now you're just making him go like hand to hand combat with some other guy. Like, isn't there another test? Like I was hoping for something a little bit more creative than just fight this guy in a ring. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> Whatever. Fine. Fine, fine, fine. So... Oh, God, I don't even know how to explain. I, I don't really want to explain the whole the whole pot. But basically, they are broadcasting this fight to different areas of like the refugee camps. And the whole point is they're, you know, they have like big trucks and they want to consolidate all the refugees. And then, you know, the plan for Chanmyeong group is to eliminate these refugees by exploding them, essentially <laughs> exploding them, Exp- you know, because again, more explosions. It's and not, it's not um, funny. It's not funny. Like, no, it's not funny at all because it actually it happens. happens. I was like, yeah. I was like, five eight's going to save them. No, no, they all fucking explode into pieces. So, but it funny. was a very dramatic, it was a very dramatic scene because it was like a bunch of people are losing their lives and Saul doesn't know because he's fighting and he wins. And so at the end of the, I will admit the end of the episode to me was a banger. And I was so excited at the next two episodes didn't deliver what I wanted, but like, I will tell you at the end of this episode, I had hope because so the explosions go off and a lot of refugees lose their lives. Five, eight cannot get there in time, obviously to all these different locations and save them. But Saul wins his fight and he has a cut on his, his head. And he's wearing like a bandage and he's so, you know, happy that he wins the fight and he's all bloody and he rips off the bandage and you can see the glint of the metal on his skull. And, and basically like, you know, the villain who we're going to get to next, like sits up because he's been looking for these mutants this like whole time and he sits up and he's like, oh my God, I found him. But meanwhile, you're flashing to five, eight walking among like the ruins of these like refugee camps who have all been blown up so it's like this this like high and low and i was like this is great oh my god i was like these next two episodes are going to be fucking amazing and then it was <laughs> and then it, no. they just kind of like it didn't follow through as what i would have liked it's fine i just want to say as actions like i loved that was- i loved ripping off his bandage seeing the glint of the metal i gasped I loved that. I was going to say, it's a really good artistic juxtaposition to have this, like, Correct. super high moment for him yeah. while at all these refugees, like, are dying. Um, yeah, so, because I felt, I felt this, like, this, like, you know, like, I had, like, conflicting feelings in my chest. Like, I was moved by that. And I really, really, I liked it. It's just, again, I almost wish, like, the drama, like, stopped. I almost wish I was, we were, like, doing the podcast now on that cliffhanger. <laughs> so I could be like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see what comes next. Oh, you would I have considered that, that a cliffhanger? <laughs> oh, be quiet. I knew you were going to say it. See, and this is where, like, for once, I don't think the length, like, the length was a confused length. I almost feel like this would have been better served as a movie. And really, like, if you're going to go full action, like, hone out a lot of that different stuff. And, like, I think it, I honestly think it would have been more successful as just a movie at this point. Like, either they had to make it longer or they had to, like, pare this down and just give a good movie. That's fair. But I want to say something because it made me laugh because I I mostly just liked hot driving, I guess. I mean, like, look, I don't know. What action scene did I like best? Like, the fighting one? I don't know. (laughs) But I found... (laughs) Uh, an article that I really liked their take on it. And it was from Salon. 
and it was by a uh, journalist or TV critic, Melanie McFarland. And the, re- the title of it is In Black Knight, The Future, However Grim, Belongs to the Working Class Heroes. And they had a point that I thought was like, I enjoyed this point. And so basically, it's kind of like also looking at this because um, looking at this is like a post-COVID story, right? And they call it like a pandemic era fury. I'm just going to read like two parts of these paragraphs. So we all went through the same crawling nightmare that froze the world in shelter at home mode for years. Many of us came to view certain global conglomerates as go-to suppliers and the people bringing us their packages as essential workers. As the COVID crisis eased, the burdens shouldered by these gig workers did not. And we went back to taking them for granted. Americans no longer appreciate DoorDash drivers and the UPS guys like we used to. But Cho transforms them into saviors and vigilantes for justice. Everyone deserves to be celebrated by way of a power fantasy. So it's not tough to love these stand-in for delivery app warriors who you should probably tip more generously. (laughs) I love that. I didn't, you know what? I love that take. I'm kind of sad I didn't think about that. I do still tip my delivery drivers like crazy. I just want to say, because I love them. Hey, Amy and I, in our Oakland hotel, Uber-eated Starbucks, and we were so freaking grateful. I was, like, dying for an iced coffee. And we got it, and we were very appreciative. I tell you what. So... Yeah, I, I just I just gotta say I love that take. Yeah, so when I was and thinking, she's right. so that appreciate me, yeah, like, your your drivers, with the drivers, people. and I like the idea that like yeah, people are stuck, and these guys are going to like show up like yeah, like give the delivery driver being a hero. Like this is why I think like there could have been so much good. There's so much. I good agree. Here. Agree. I agree. Because they did show glimpses of that where like five eight uh one of his first deliveries was to like this older man yeah. who like hadn't ordered oxygen in time yeah. and five eight clearly knew him and was like, You need to order your oxygen on time. Yeah, I like I love that, but it, th- we didn't get enough of that, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Song Sung Hyun, played by Ryo Suk, the baddie heir to Changmyon group, who both wanted to rule the world, had a hatred for refugees, and was also dying of a mystery illness. He might be a hottie, but he was a terrible person. <laughs> Pour one out for Ryo Suk, who died because Solwal woke up from his stupor long enough to move his wheelchair five inches. Look, you had to be there. Anyway, what did we think of this baddie and his motives? Look, he was hot. <laughs> All right. That was really, I mean, that's really all that he had going for him. Okay. He's basically Mr. O'Hare from the Lorax. Okay. He's not a blobby person from Wally, but he's Mr. O'Hare from the Lorax. (laughs) More concerned with making money, selling oxygen than he is about his mystery illness for which he's experimenting on mutants to what, get a cure? He's dying, but he's also polluting the air. So people think they need to buy his oxygen. Like, I don't get it. As villains go, Mm -hmm. he was more of a dum-dum than dum-dum. And (laughs) Danny DeVito needs to float down from the sky as the Lorax and give him a good talking to well i first i didn't get what danny devito had to do with it i forgot he was the lorax i haven't um, seen the movie the lorax oh it's so good it's actually oh my it's god really good like I the newer it. the newer one like the 2000s yeah one, there's one that's that's older too with um, what's I've his face read, is we've read the book i mean we have the book but that's all I so know. yeah the movie oh. it's got taylor swift and zach efron as the main characters how are there this many characters? He's just the Lorax and he speaks for the trees. No, Ed, oh, Helms, no. Is, Ed Helms is the Wunzler and yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Well, it's a cartoon, but yeah, it's, it's okay. really Honestly, well done. It's really well done. I've watched it. I've watched it several times. I love it. I think it's really good. It's, it is. Um, yeah, I mean, again, his motivate. Why did he hate the refugees? He just hated poor people. Like, is that what we're going with? We, now? There's like, no what? explanation for any of it, including his mystery illness that can somehow yeah. be saved by a metal skeleton mutant. I don't like. Did a, did a refugee kill his dog? Like, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the human experiments was cr- like they made him so evil. Remember when he just so he had a whole pod of like human experiments and at one point he's just in a bad mood. So he, so he over-oxygenates. He over-oxygenates. And the guy dies and he's just like take this one out. Like I'm like he There's no work. reason. And the, yeah, they're all in these little pods like the freaking Matrix. Like I so there's another movie that they're trying to emulate. Like Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I agree. I mean it was great in like a silly over the top villain kind of way, but he really was like almost a caricature of a villain because he was just so bad (sighs) dumb dumb okay so the ending was a lot after finding out that sawal was a mutant and could heal his mystery illness rio suk 
captures him and uses him as a blood bag a la Mad Max, <laughs> which I couldn't I couldn't stop with that. That's what Neil, he was just like, oh, he's got his blood bag. He's, he's carting his blood bag around. <laughs> just like, I kept expecting him to strap him on the front of his car like Mad Max. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Anyway. But wait, 5-8 and his knights are ready for the final showdown and descend on Chan Myung in a very dramatic fashion. There is a firefight! And Ryo Suk, defeated, decides that he if he's going out, he's taking everyone with him. So he destroys the air core, which is what produces oxygen for the nation, with one push of a lever, <laughs> which seems, seems way too easy to do. <laughs> Neil's like, there's no fail-safe measures? He was, like, so mad about that. Anyway. So 5-8 kills uh, the villain, and then he drags everyone to safety while the building blows up behind him. He, of course, doesn't look back at the explosion. So what did you think of the ending? I know you won't get this reference, Megan, but I'm going to use it anyway. So basically, Chang Myung is the Death Star. And it can be defeated if you get it in just the right spot. Okay? (laughs) But, like, here's my question. I actually know, like, in real life... Does anything actually have a catastrophic kill switch that doesn't require two people to, like, I don't know, turn a key on two different consoles that couldn't be reached by only one human, unless you're Joyce Byers? Joyce Byers. (laughs) (laughs) I I forgot that same thing happened there. (laughs) But she did it. Little tiny Winona Ryder could reach both keys. But, like, like, that's – it's in so many movies and stuff – that like I just it is all this is make me wonder like does something like that really exist in real life like a big old kill switch that's gonna like ruin the whole society or world or whatever it is oh it's you know ludicrous yeah it's ridiculous so look Neil is falling asleep on the last episode and I was like I like hit him I was like are you not entertained like like gladiator because I was massively entertained what? by this yeah Gladi- it was don't just... even put gladiator no 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 I I'm saying yes no I get it I, I, I was just quoting for a second I was like wait, wait okay wait. I was just quoting it yeah. No, excuse me. Gladiator is a masterpiece. Anyway, so because of the like <laughs> propelling down, like the whole thing was a lot, and and like the air core blowing up. I mean, it was just <sighs> I was entertained, but I will say the wheelchair part. I just need to talk about this for two seconds. I hated that. Yeah, it was dumb. <laughs> I, it was dumb. It was so stupid. So you know they're in the like control room i guess so it's 5-8 real sook and Sawal. and Sawal's like unconscious. unconscious in a wheelchair because he's been used as <laughs> used as a blood bag <laughs> and real sook's like you know gonna shoot 5-8 i guess i think that's what's going yeah. on i don't know and Sawal isn't like an, obviously which why would you give him an electric wheelchair to be? <laughs> i mean i can't i can't i can't anyway he somehow wakes up long enough to just like move the lever on the wheelchair and you just hear the wheelchair going like (laughs) (laughs) and it like just moves real sucks hand just long enough so that five eight can shoot him and i was like is that is that seriously it like that's that's (laughs) that's what defeats him (laughs) so and the thing is like watch it again you just hear like And it's the, f- like, it made me laugh out loud. And you're not supposed to be laughing out loud at that part, but, like, what? Like, he has a metal frame. He should have stood up and taken the bullet for five Oh, eight. my God, I can't. I can't. I, yeah, anyway. Oh, yeah, the that whole was- thing was, like, <laughs> it was so stupid. And then also, I don't understand how they still have oxygen. Like, didn't you blow up the air core? Because then they, like, flash forward three years. I don't know what happened. And they're still making deliveries. And I'm, like. But where are you getting the oxygen? Because didn't you blow up the oxygen provider machine? They <laughs> blew it up. For, so that was that oh, was the God. place that was contained inside a dome. So they blew it but up. But I thought that that's what was what was creating the oxygen for everyone else. I have no idea. But here's the, I, here's no because everybody else was using gas. They masks. had lo- they had lunar air. But remember the air is getting better. They make that comment yeah, at the end like yeah, the air is getting lunar better air. every day. Look, all I'll say is this: my bar was the silency which was an extremely low bar. I enjoyed this a hundred times more than the silent sea. So if Same. that tells you something, Same. I don't know. I don't know. Just going to say that. Silent sea wasn't good either. <laughs> right. 
But I think I enjoyed Silent Sea more. I mean, I would rather have had like lunar water spraying out of the mouth and the hardest working red sea star. Uh, like, I, at least I was like curious. I'm like, where is it going? And in the end, I was like, oh, it went to go and use light blinking out on the moon. Oh, oh God, God, did I just, I spoiled it. Sorry. Ah! It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I think Honestly, we spoiled, I think we spoiled Silent Sea more than once on, on different episodes. I mean, we spoiled the Lorax too. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, look, I was unmoved and glad it was over. Yeah. And I'm annoyed because I feel like the high, like even when you read the pitch at the beginning, I found myself like listening again, like when you were doing the intro being like, oh, it's a good concept. Oh, like I would pick this book up. Yeah. Um, it's just that I feel like the execution was generic and Mm -hmm. good at the end, good prevails and you know, better days are coming. (laughs) And so like (laughs) yawn. So yeah. this should have been a 10 out of 10. And for me, it was like a 3 out of 10. But Kim Ubin, 10 out of 10. Yeah, right. I will say for me, I am interested to read the webcomics because I'm curious if like they're a lot more in depth. And, you know, I, I'm curious. It, it did make me want to read them. So. But can Netflix just not fucking disappoint us? Right? I like, know. Come on. If they're going to invest, this is the thing, like, they announced recently they're investing all this money in K-Entertainment, and, like, good, I'm glad. But then, like, be willing to... Invest in the time and the resources yeah. to let them tell the whole story. Yeah, like, don't just tell us, don't just give us K-Entertainment for the sake of giving us K-Entertainment. Like, we want the proper good storytelling that they K-Entertainment has been giving us. So, like, give them the money and the time to do it, mm-hmm. basically. Come on, Netflix. Look, people like it when we... We didn't heavily disagree, though. No, no, we didn't. It's just like if you were happy to be like, look, I just wanted some cotton candy and it's fine. Like, I mean, I wasn't watching it, like, enraged. I was just like, oh, like, Ugh. But, like, I, I wasn't super it. upset because it was, like, short. If it was 20 episodes of that, I'd be upset. I think that we would have felt differently, too, if there was 20 episodes and that... But it's rare I would want a movie because usually I like a show better than a movie. And in this, I was like, this could have just been a movie to me. You know what? I actually think you're right. I actually think they could have they could have put it in a movie. And I would have also been less. I would have also cared less about like the info dump at the beginning if it was a movie. Because mm-hmm. you're like that. That's a little bit more common in movies. But if you're going to give me six episodes, like you have time to like explain this a little yeah. bit better. You, you have, can do your you exposition. Have more time. Yeah. 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 You can show, not tell, please. So. All right. That's it. Well, that was fun. It was really fun. Hopefully Netflix has some better... Hopefully Netflix has better days for us ahead. I hope Hire so. us, Netflix. I we know. Keep I asking. Mean, I'm a, and I enjoyed Squid Game for what it's worth, but like now I'm like, Squid Game 2? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it was very unnecessary to do a Squid Game 2. Yeah, I still don't know. Yeah, all of us are dead too, though. Yes. I can't wait. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I... I yeah, that like, better not... I mean, in my top... Definitely my top ten. Yeah, sometimes they, my they, top five. I actually saw our lovely Chung San just recently posted some stuff on his Instagram where he's clearly wearing like a school uniform <gasps> and, and he's bloody and he's bloody. So I think they might. I I know. I, I just, mean, he's um, yeah. Okay, well, I guess we I can't know. spoil. I, I guess we can't <laughs> yeah, spoil no, no, it. No, no, whatever. No, 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 no. Okay. If you still ha- if you're still a fan of this podcast and haven't watched All of Us Are Dead, go watch it. At least read the synopsis. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't even synopsis. you don't even have to go read or you don't have to go watch Black Knight. Go watch All of Us Are Dead. Yeah, and and or just read a synopsis so you know what we're talking about because it's great. So, all right. Okay. Well, that's that's all for today then, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, annyeong. 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 Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to AfternoonOfDelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!